Welcome to Talking in Stations. We're going to talk about EVE Online. I am Madderall. I'm here with Rundle off screen. How's it going, Rundle? Rundle? Yes, I'm doing fine. I'm talking without pushing my push to talk button. A uh, habit from a very long day at work. I hope everyone is doing well out there. And I'm here. Good. I'm here. There you are. Reporting for duty, sir. Awesome. Also with me today, you'll see Tiberius. How's it going, Tiberius? Hey, how's it going? Good. Tiberius is going to talk to us about commodities, which are found in the monthly economic report. It's a brand new page. We'll talk about what they are and why they're important. Uh, we're also going to talk about some news. We'll get to that first uh, when we go over the war zone. And, uh, and so that's what we'll do today on March 25th. Okay, first things first, let's have a look at uh, the billboards. Looking at this um, 10 billion and over kill list, I noted how many structures are on here. And again, we're in a phase where a few things are happening in the war, which is basically in Delve, but there's also parts that are in Fountain, as we'll talk about today. And of course, the stuff that's happening in legacy space where it's being demolished as well. Uh, so I was looking at this and uh, there's just an incredible amount of structures going down on both sides. Uh, you can see the Goon Swarm structures here, mostly Fortizars. Uh, there's Faction Fortizars. I think two went down in the last two days. I believe there are two Keep Stars, which are in danger of being destroyed. We'll probably see them attacked sometime soon, if not four. And there's definitely four next week. So things are definitely moving faster. I did get some information from a friend who's actually calculating all this stuff. And uh, from a month and a half ago in Delve, there were, I believe it was 960 structures. It's down to about 480. So you you could say that in that amount of time, uh, I think that was a month and a half. 500 structures went down, so they're about halfway done. But what's changing is the cadence of destruction is moving up. Sound right to you, Rundle? Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, time, timers on the big structures, uh, systems being sino jammed, people not uh, being in, uh, you know, in, in um, fleets to resist. Uh, hunkering down one DQ, you don't get to put pressure elsewhere. Uh, and absolutely with the counter offensive in other areas means you got to move in faster, right? Uh, kick the, kick the, uh, the old inhabitants out and get moved in, bring the in-laws, the whole, whole shebang. <laughs> got to do it fast, right? Got to do it a little faster on. now. Yeah. Pack, pack the furniture on top of the station wagon. Exactly. Get in, get into town. We're moving like, uh, get out of town, get out of the old town, get in the new town. We're moving like now. Yeah, well, so the, you got to pick up the pace when that happens. The old town back in Impasse is totally getting destroyed, right? Impasse has fallen. That is at a point where it's uh, essentially all the good stuff is destroyed. And now they're just cleaning up the uh, the less expensive stuff. But that credit goes to the Imperium for wiping out Impasse, the former area belonged to Legacy. It's a it's kind of a mixed bag because Legacy is, of course, at war in Delve. That left their backfield open. Not much happened there at first. It was well defended, but uh, I think when additional help moved in in the form of deep water hooligans um, and initiative went to work there and Bastion was there and then you had Red Alliance there, that that started to add up to something uh, and you see impasse falls. Yep. Yeah, uh, it, there's this one Providence thing too. I, I know it's really not the war, but I thought that was an interesting one. There's a almost a six, uh, 19 billion. Uh, you just had it. It was the couple uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, right there, Losec Trading Corporation lost their Fortizar to honorable third party in Provi. So there's still some combat elsewhere going on, uh, and there was, you know, some stuff in Fountain. So, you know, there's, uh, you know, little bits of of fighting going everywhere else. There's uh, people taking um, opportunity to to attack when maybe, uh, you know, people are less uh, least expecting it. All right, we have a question from, or a comment from the grid. He asks, uh, a great question is, the space test taken, how will they hold it without Horde? You can take a crack at that if you want. Well, yeah, I think the 
you know, test legacy, PanFam, that whole uh, group is made up of a lot of people. Uh, Horde for sure is, um, you know, really uh, spending a lot of time in the war, doing a lot of, of neat things. Um, I'm sure they'll still be around. Defense though is different than offense, right? Um, and Horde's going to have their own area, and then they're going to have, uh, you know, they're going to have their own areas to deal with. So I, I guess it all depends on what the counteroffensive will be, or what what holding it means. Um, you know, de- as we as this war is showing, defense is a different game than the offense. Um, grinding through all of Delve takes a lot of manpower. Um, holding it takes a lot of manpower, but it's a it's just a different strategy. I believe that'll be the difference. Now, how will Horde, uh, you know, how will the the blue situation, the whole, you know, PanFam, Pappy thing work out? Who knows when that time comes, but um, yeah, I think Test will, and Legacy and the existing group will, uh, you know, have uh, lots of people to pull, it, to pull together for mm-hmm. defense, um, but time will tell. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to make any predictions are difficult in this game. Tiberius, you don't have a comment on that, do you? It's not really your. No, feed, I don't. I I think uh, I think he's right in the fact that uh, it's it's really hard to predict as to where things are going to go. Yeah. So I think uh, Rundle's one hundred percent correct there. Um, the way I think of it is probably different than most people. Probably, I don't see this going back as uh, to the way it was. There's just way too many things that have changed. For instance, this war wasn't even really possible as we were talking earlier inside of talking in stations, unless some of the changes from CCP had happened. We're talking about uh, scarcity, right? We're talking about cores having to be inside of uh, 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 stations or, cha- you know, uh, structures. Citadels, yeah. Yeah, citadels. And I get stuck between citadels, <laughs> structure, and then the actual... Stations. Yeah, stations. Stuff, and, yeah. Yeah. There's like so many ways to describe uh, structures that are owned by players. But I feel like there's so much that has happened in the last year that has even made this uh, war of attrition possible. Remember, we talked about how many structures are left inside of Delve, which are like 480, according to this spreadsheet. It was 900 a few months ago. Uh, sorry, yeah, a month and a half ago, six, seven weeks ago. Going back to June, you had the Imperium constituted about 4,000 structures. And with 4,000 structures, that is an enormous hill to climb as far as think about all those timers, right? Part of the defense of the Imperium a year ago was go ahead and attack us. You'll have, you know, 11 years of timers to go through. So it was an impossible task. And the Imperium had a great economy which could reconstitute anything that was destroyed. That was part of that wall that would just never be penetrated. So when players thought about attacking the Imperium, a lot of them said it's too late. Those guys are just too big, they're too insulated, and the way the mechanics work, we can't possibly do it. They could just throw money at whatever we destroy and be right back into business. But CCP comes in, says we need more dynamic gameplay. It's getting static, so we're going to make Titans weaker. They're able to be destroyed by like you know, 10, 20 dreads. Uh, faxes can't, can no longer... Uh, save a titan and so that you know now you're gonna lose titans if you have them out if you're gonna fight with them you're going to lose some uh so that's different and structures are the same way the structure timers were worked on i think they became a little more rapid Uh, there's a bunch of changes that happened that allowed an invincible wall of delve to become weaker because the mechanics allow it and also you have a committed force that's able to fight longer than a two-month war, which, if you think about it, is pretty amazing. Because the Fountain War, one month. Uh, the Halloween War is about two months. Um, World War B was about two months. Uh, the 2018 Summer of Titan Brawls, that was a total of about three or four months. Depends on when you mark them. The only war that kind of compares to this as far as length is the Winter versus Legacy War. That was about a year. And uh, that ended right around blackout time. So uh, this is one of the longest wars Eve has seen. And this has all the big players in it with all the big, they call them toys. Uh, that's what they call them in NC. Anyway, but all the big structures, all the big uh, ships are at war. 
none of this was possible until CCP decided to make the game a little more dangerous for advanced players, wealthy players, etc. That's where we're at now. We don't know where we're going to be in five months, five more months, right? The whole world could change today or tomorrow or whenever. So you have to look at it that way as well. And I don't think it's going to be a matter of, this is a, I'm answering a very long question because it's a broader subject than just like, how does this snap back into form? It doesn't. This rubber band has been pulled for so long and the, the uh, forces at work on it are so strong. That is no longer a rubber band that's going to snap back into a circle. It is going to look completely different and maybe even act completely differently. And so again, after this war, I don't think you'll see the typical, okay, Horde's gone home to do something. I think it's going to be more of a um, mission is not complete until, uh, uh, you know, the wardens of Nullsec uh, are a thing where there's a warden of the north like fraternity there's a warden of the east horde there's a warden of the uh, west uh, legacy and there's a warden of the south which you know we don't know who that's going to be at this point it's all a big mess right now so that was probably one area that needs to be pacified after this whole thing and those wardens will hold that area and suppress it basically like kings at a table and that's kind of how I see the future forming. I don't know if it'll be that way, but that's how I see it. So you'll see, uh, and they'll fight each other, right? They'll fight each other. But just like the Tranquility Trade Tower showed you, whenever that thing gets in trouble, even the people fighting in Dell fight together. So they can get together to fight the Imperium wherever it appears, and then go back to fighting each other. So I think that's what's going to happen. I wouldn't call it a blue donut. I would call it like the wardens of the map. That's kind of how I see it. That was a very long answer for a very simple question. <clears throat> okay, let's move on, shall we? Um, this is the big, uh, let's go into Dell first. Uh, TNT moved a lot of their stuff to 1DQ from their former home in um, Helm's Deep. <clears throat> Here it is, an 8RQ. You have it circled here. <coughs> I am losing my voice, which happens when I talk too much. Um, I think there's a bunch of stuff here that belonged to, um, before this belonged to uh, TNT, and they are now moved in with everybody else. Today also was a big day for, that might have been yesterday or uh, in the last few days. Uh, today, or actually over the weekend around the same time, I think, uh, Siberian squad left Quarius and moved to a staging that was in uh, YZ, TAC-L. That staging for Dazar belonged to the initiative and was occupied by uh, Siberian squad. That's where they went. So Siberian squad out of Quarius. Looks like Brave's going to have that territory that they wanted. I think they had high hopes for... Hanzo, the FC for Siberian Squad, being able to take on some of the people in Aquarius, that didn't work out. Uh, so I wanted to show you the kill boards. So YZ9, we were just talking about that, was the Fortazar that belonged to the initiative. You see yesterday, Aquarius GOP, that was the old, I believe that was the old Siberian Squad um, or no, it might have been, yeah, Siberian Squad. I don't know if that was their staging, but they were in GOP. So they're out of there, and that got destroyed, that Fortazar. But look here. YZ, Tech L, the uh, initiatives Fortazar destroyed. That happened today, a few hours ago. So uh, that is the basically their command center. So where did everything go, all the equipment in here? Was it asset safetyed? Not sure if it was asset safetyed, but... You can see that this is an NPC uh, area, so they're probably in an NPC station. You can see there's a station in there. So Siberian Squad and Initiative still in YZ Tech, but not in their Fortazar anymore. They'll have to live on an NPC station. Okay, I think that's pretty much war news. There's a ton of stuff going on. We can't bring it all to you. Uh, talking about um, talking to Imperium people as well to see what they're up to, and they are fighting fights where they can fight. Again, it is war isn't very 
it isn't what you think it is. It's a lot of times you fight over things and the teams are equal or preferable. Sometimes you're just outmatched to the points. No, there's no reason to take a fight. And then sometimes you're ready to go and your opponent decides they don't want to take the fight. So there's a lot of like stalls and not non-fights basically. So a lot of structures being destroyed without a lot of defense in Imperium space, but the Imperium not getting fights that they can actually fight or want to fight. Or test and uh, friends are not showing up for fights that they want to take. That kind of stuff's going on too. That's your war news. Let's move on to monthly economic report. Big news of the day for me. Yeah. Why don't we start there since we don't see a lot of... Uh, interesting stuff here but when we get to commodities it's a big wowzer yeah so they actually um and i have to give credit to ccp larican because uh this has been something that warm haulers have been asking for for a long time um mostly because it's it's the missing link um for warm haulers to be able to self-police their community um, I would say the wormhole community in by and large is really good as to measuring what's good for it, what's not good for it, what's working, what's not working. Um, and this, this particular piece of data was actually very necessary in order to, for it to work, um, in order for us to kind of get a good estimate as to what's going on. Unfortunately, uh, I think back Last year, sometime last year, early last year, maybe January of uh, 2020 or maybe November, December of 2019, um, the bot that puts the that breaks down the commodities broke. Something just didn't uh, some something's not working anymore. Um, and uh, it's, you know, and we weren't able to be able to kind of guess as to what was going on uh, last year in October, I put together a mathematical model to kind of predict based upon the commodities value that was uh, coming out of the MER as to where the blue loop value is. And it turned out to be relatively accurate. Uh, looking at the data now, I was able to kind of break it down. And it was within, my model was within about a 15% margin, which is good to know, because you know, while I did predict that value or, you know, the, the amount of uh, blue loot that was coming out of wormhole space was getting higher, it's not out of control. Um, it's still, you know, relatively within um, controllable means. And, uh, you know, I think it, CCP is obviously going to look at this and maybe look at, you know, ways of changing it. Um, but, uh, well, you know, it's important to, it's yeah. important to, you know, understand that. All right, let's go back a second. I just I just found your slide that has all the stuff that you were uh, talking about. Yeah. So we'll come back and revisit this and talk about these things. Uh, but for a second, I want to just take the, a minute to appreciate what this slide actually means. What what are commodities? Why are they different? Why is this new graph important? Um, I because it it breaks down all of the different types of commodities that are being sold to market. So commodities you get for completing a mission, a site, um, any kind of like uh, PVE activity that essentially means that you're not getting a direct injection of uh, cash into your wallet, uh, which means that, you know, there's a, there's a potential risk for those commodities to either be stolen, uh, destroyed, or, you know, those two, basically, those are the only two things, stolen or destroyed. Um, and uh, or left in a station again, accidentally. There's a third option. Or left in a station <laughs> accidentally and forgotten about. Uh, yeah. I know that that's definitely happened before, especially in wormhole space. You know, and it ends up in somebody else's pocket because they destroyed their structure. Um, but uh, I would say that's probably the most important part is to be able to kind of look at accurately. Okay, where's the commodities coming from, and why is it important? And to be able to kind of judge where the health of uh, those sites are and if it's healthy or if it's not healthy. Yeah. Well, so for, for, okay. for most people playing, it's going to be things like uh, tags and stuff like that, right? In high sec. Anyways, if you're just listening and you, you do submissions and different stuff, that's what we're talking about, right? 
Well, and, right. And tags are considered to be empire insignia. Tags are considered to be uh, commodities. Right. Um, but uh, since that system came out years and years ago, you know, tags have a relatively low value. Unfortunately. Right. But just 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 to help kind of level set the playing, you know, the the what a player would do with a commodity, you collect the various ones and then you do a turn in or something. And the graph shows the various locations. There's Triglave. There's the Overseer. There's the um, the sleeper uh, components, the sleeper from... ones, right? Uh, you know, when you start playing the game, one of the very first commodities you come across are the basic tags, Garista tags, or whatever Navy tags, whatever faction Navy tags, etc. Right? So right. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah, those yeah. items. Yeah. For new players will run into those before they do any of this more advanced stuff. But actually, let's right. talk about that for just a second. You come into the game and you get these tags when you run a military mission, right? It's loot and you pick it up and you got to turn it in for the actual money. And that's different than just going out and ratting where you get the money and you don't have to deal with the tag or any of that kind of stuff. You just get it and put into your bank without you doing anything. It's direct deposit. But this is not. This is a check in your hand and you have to go to the bank and you have to turn it in or to the trade market. Yeah, yeah. or you need something else, or maybe you're gaining uh, loyalty points, and you need these commodities along with your loyalty points to gain some item on the loyalty store, and then you make more, you make something from it and make even more money or whatever. So there's a, right. the commodity side is a very complex element. Um, a lot of new players don't really look at it, and they just go, ah, I don't know what this is, and they sell it on the market or just delete it, God forbid. <laughs> but um, yeah, as you junk. can see from this graph, no. yeah, as you can see from this graph, there's more tiers to this and you can really make some serious bank in the with the commodities and going after commodities right so when you start looking into the more advanced stuff that actually is very lucrative that is stuff coming out of wormhole space which tiberius knows very well and stuff coming out of triglavian poshven space uh there's stuff going on in events uh so there's different opportunities to get commodities which are a pretty good income it's where ccp is putting a lot of effort and a lot of money for players to get because it requires active gameplay. And it also puts in the element of risk. If you're carrying it around in your cargo, it gives uh, pirating opportunities to other players. Okay, Tiberius, we're looking at your graph now. Do you want to tell us what you were assuming and, and you know, what you found? Yeah, so um, one of the, so first of all, I'd actually like to kind of point out, you see that huge jump in the, the, the pink slash red, depending upon what your screen looks like. Uh, that is actually, I forgot to label that. That was actually the snow event um, in December. And overseers oh. dropped in those events um, this pretty substantially. Like there was, there was a pretty substantial amount of uh, drops in overseers effects. So if you're looking at this graph with us, uh, this is, that's what that particular jump is. And I forgot to label it. So I apologize. Yeah. Um, so the winter, this, that would have been the uh, winter. Oh, I had it. Sorry. Nexus. Nexus event. Thank you. Yeah. Winter Nexus event that happened in uh, December and uh, continued into early January. So one, yeah. quick, one quick thing about that Tiberius, CCP Fozzy, who is the guy that directs the events, he's the one that designs them with a team, uh, said that they were going to try to make the Christmas one pretty lucrative. It's going to be, a, it was, there were going to be a lot of good rewards for people. And you can see he wasn't kidding around. Look at that gigantic red spike. Yeah, that was Enormous. an incredible amount of uh, incredible amount of isk injection into people who went out and made the effort to you know put in the risk of running those sites because there was an element of risk running those sites, right? Uh, the more lucrative the site was, typically in low sec and especially in null sec, and you had those filaments that could send you out to those sites. Um, obviously, there was you know issues surrounding that in terms of people being able to do it essentially get away for free. Um, but, you know, that's a discussion for another time. But yes, that was, um, I think that the fact that one, uh, you said CCP Foz? Fozzy was Fozzy. the, yeah, Foz. Yeah, CCP Fozzy was the um, project lead on that. And he said that he wanted to make it lucrative. Well, look at that, it was, it was incredibly lucrative. And I think combined with the fact that there were just so many people running these sites, I think, it's obvious that CCP is that players are hungry for these sites. Um, if you remember back to the Triglavian days during the early stages of the invasion, there were those, I can't remember what those sites were called, um, but they were just like event sites that popped up every so often that people would go run. 
um, emerging conduits. That's what they were called. Yes, this, you're right. Um, Yeah. So, you know, people were running emerging conduits and that was lucrative to them because there was and there was uh, an element of risk to it. And then eventually people figured out how to min max the site. And then CCP was like, okay, let's maybe tone it back a little bit and also lock it behind, uh, you know, the new iteration of invasion. Um, So, yeah, I I think these events are events are going to continue. And I think they're definitely going to be relatively lucrative. Yeah. One last thing on those, they can turn them on and off, which is what's good. That's why they can afford to infuse them with money because then people participate, get out there and do stuff. There's a chance to make a lot of money really quickly, but then they turn it off. So they don't have to worry about it busting out of control and distorting the game with too much wealth in the game. That's why yeah. I think you'll see that. Well, thanks to Fozzie for a hot isk injection in the middle of cold winter. <laughs> well yeah, done, Fozzie. That was a uh, that was a that was a really fun event, I think, for a lot of people. There's a second bump um, there that you can see, by the way. Did you want to explain that, or just as long the, as that was back? Are you talking about back in February of twenty nine of twenty twenty? Actually, going forward, oh, the second bump. I don't know what that second bump is. It's Guardians um, Gala. Is it Guardians Gala? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Right there, yeah. February fourteenth. So it is Guardians Gala. Yeah, not near. Guardians Gala was a. Yeah. Guardians Gala was another event that was, uh, you know, a yearly event, I guess now, because this is the second time that it's happened. Um, so there was a bump in more overseers effects from the Guardians Gala stuff. Yeah. Now, one last thing. When we were t- when we would talk uh, at talking in stations and we did shows during uh, the winter nexus we were telling you go out there and do these things Ashtarothi was elise was arcia i i think she was doing them too like they were saying there's a lot of good money out here especially elise and he wasn't kidding and then when gala came around we also told you this one's profitable not quite as profitable and it certainly isn't but it is a spike nonetheless it's just about one fourth the size of the the winter one so when targeting stations is telling you there's an opportunity here to make some money, like uh, take that as true based on this evidence. All right, Tiberius, go ahead. So um, I'll kind of walk walk through this graph and the important factors of it um, during the um, it, from starting from last year, about February of last year, which is the first point on the graph which is that CCP nerfs high-class rolling, uh, which is essentially the From Wormholes with Love patch. They stopped people from being able to run, or stopped people from being able to one-shot high-class wormholes, which basically means that way back in the day, and now again, because it's been patched back in, you used to be able to um, jump a carrier or another uh, type of capital ship through the hole, and bounce it back and oh you would only have to do that once so norm with lower class wormholes you have to do three four five times where you have to go back and forth back and forth putting mass on the hole in order to create a new wormhole uh ccp essentially got rid of that and they've uh because they patched out a mechanism in the game which was being used by wormholers for years which allowed for them to trick the game to use um mass calculations to push the wormhole and cl- and collapse it. Um, that's since been patched back into the game, but so that's kind of a moot point. Um, but keep that in mind while we kind of go through this. And then the, the Guardian's Gala, which is the 90% PvP loot drop, you can see right at that point, uh, there's a drop in ratting activity, but there's also a spike in the Overseer's effects rel- with in relative mean of the same spike is the overseer's effects from February of this year. Um, so, you know, obviously people, when the 90% PVP loot drop is happening, they're not going to, you know, be wanting to do that. But on top of the fact that they added the connectivity changes to the high-class wormholes, which basically meant that high-class became spaghetti, right? So instead of seeing one or two wandering wormholes, you saw five, six, seven, eight wormholes all at the same time. And it was it was kind of ridiculous and it didn't last very long because it got pretty pretty absurd. Um, so, you know, 
that got uh, that and then that got patched out about two or three weeks later. You can see after it gets patched out, you know, it starts to climb up a little bit. Surgical strike happens and then things drop off again. Um, I think part and parcel because uh, surgical strike obviously changed the way that people rat because you now you have to be more tankier in order to be able to survive the site. So it took a little while for people to kind of figure out what's going on. It stabilizes, drops again, not really sure why. Um, and you see it slowly but surely starting to creep up. And then you really see, and this is kind of an important part here, is that right about July of last year, you see World War B2 kicks off, and then it really starts climbing. Um, and personally, I think what's going on is that while World War B is going on, um, I see I've seen a lot of Imperium in and out of wormholes in order to make money uh, because they're not able to rat their normal space that they've been in. Uh, a lot of people are getting burnout, so they're moving into wormholes. Uh, the word spreads. Oh, hey, you only need two nesters and a Lashak or two Lashaks and a nester, depending upon how you run it, in order to run C5 wormhole sites, and you can make you know 1.2 bill an hour. Um, or maybe a little bit less. It's probably closer to like 900 mil an hour. Um, yeah. And then the word spreads. And it's like, oh, hey, you can come into the wormhole with me and then maybe we can share sites. And slowly but surely it starts creeping its way up. Um, and then again, you see the, uh, the Guardians Gala event um, in February of this year where it drops off because it's a 90% PvP loot drop. And then, um, you know, it... Uh, uh, it goes back or it goes right back up again after it uh, drops in. Because again, if you have a ninety percent loot drop, a lot of people are like, "Yeah, I'm not really interested in feeding my isk to other people." So I'm just, and other people are probably looking for things to kill. So I'm just going to relax for a bit. Um, so that is uh, that's pretty much what's going on with that gradual uptick there. Um, you know, and one thing to really be cognizant of is that this is not a wormhole space in general. This this money that's going into wormhole spirits coming out of wormhole space is not all wormholers, right? A lot of this is coming from people who live in Null. And I got to say, it is especially prevalent in uh, the... Australian time zone, I've spoken to Senalarma a couple of times about this, is that he has said that he has seen huge Nestor Lashak clouds in high-class wormholes that are just burning through these sites. And, the, you know, they, they call them vacuuming, vacuuming the sites is the, uh, the colloquial way of uh, mm -hmm. saying it. Um, you know, they're just vacuuming these sites up with these huge amounts of these large Nestor Lashak clouds, whether they're input broadcasting or they just have 20 clients up and they've managed to you know, a, perfect their method. What's a cloud? A cloud meaning like we're seeing like 20 to 30 battleships at once plussing through the wormhole. Wow. So one of the th one of the things about Nestor Lashaks is that they are very, very, very undermassed battleships, right? So a nester weighs, I think, about 40, 40 mil, uh, 40 million tons or something like that. And a Lashak, even with the nerf just recently, was about, I think it's only like a like 95, maybe 100, comparable so they, to other battleships that are like 120, 130. So you can fit more of them through the wormhole, so before, to speak. Before it collapses from... Before, right, exactly. So they can they can fit a, a fleet of about twenty or thirty through before, and then plus it back without collapsing it behind them, essentially, or without so, collapsing it while they go through. So that's what a cloud of them are. Okay, new word for me. Yeah. So that is that is essentially what a cloud of Nestor Lashaks is. It's about twenty to thirty of them. And again, whether or not these are people that are input broadcasting or you know, just have a really well done client setup and they've, you know, min max the site that's unknown, but we do know that these are on the rise and, you know, this is, you know, it's evident. You can see the evidence for yourself here and here on the, uh, the commodities so you don't uh, think, graph here. You don't think this is a group. It's uh, usually just one guy with a bunch of alts. 
I think it's a, a, a whole host of things. Uh, there's a whole host of things that are involved with this. Uh, C, C6 ratting right now is incredibly lucrative because there's not a lot of people living there and there's not a lot of people um, rage rolling C6 sites or rage rolling for uh, C6 ratters. There are a few, uh, but they're usually in off time zones. Um, and, uh, you know, and on top of the fact that you know, Lashaks are cheap. They've become cheaper as more and more people run the Abyssal sites. And Lashaks are less, it, and sorry, skill dependent as capital ships are. So, um, you know, there's, there's a whole host of things that could be it. It could be lots of people doing it. It could be a small group of people doing it. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I believe that it's a it's a pretty good mix of both. I think that there's groups of people that are doing it, but I also think that there are quite a few people who are illicitly and uh, legally um, acquiring this these resources um, through the battleship clouds. We talked about this pretty extensively with uh, some other high class dwellers in my episode in January. Um, I had a member of Hard Knocks on there and he kind of briefly went over, you know, what he feels to be the issue because he he's a bit more active than I am. And so are some of the other members of, you know, I haven't been in high class space as long as they have. And that's some of the stuff that they have expressed to me that what they feel is uh, is going on in high class. And I, I kind of empathize and sympathize with them because I've started to see it more and more as we uh, have lived here longer and longer. Yeah wild all right that wormhole life though wow yeah fan <laughs> off it's good work if you can get it <laughs> yeah the uh the important thing to know here is that a lot of this money is going out of wormholes it's not i would i would venture even to say that it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 percent of all value that comes out of wormholes right now is coming is um people who don't spend the primary amount of their time inside of wormholes. It's hmm. a lot. Oh, so you can, yeah. You can maybe find a, well, here's a new corp name. If someone's looking for a wormhole court name, I'm just here for the commodities. <laughs> now that's the way wormholes were supposed to be used. They were supposed to be expeditions. You go in there, you make uh, some money and you come out. You're not supposed to live in there. An initial design of wormholes, yeah. 2009. What do you think of it now, Tiberius? Um, you know, that's what the way that it used to be. Um, but as, or I guess what it was supposed to be, quote unquote. Supposed to but be, yeah. CCP has allowed for certain things to essentially drive the way that wormholes are. Um, wormholes are technically still a bit of the Wild West in terms of uh, how things go. And that's just because of the volatility of your connections. However, I would say that a good portion of wormhole space has been colonized, for lack of a better word. Because we have groups, for instance, like Hard Knocks and Laser Hawks, that set up farms inside of uh, high-class wormholes and C5s and C6s. And that's those are their resource generators. Um, and of course, this is I'm, I'm picking on Hard Knocks and Laser Hawks because of the first two that come to mind. But this is everywhere, right? Well-established groups inside of wormhole space essentially set up resource management operations that allow them to operate inside of wormhole space. And, you know, that's essentially farm, a farm for short. Um, you know, I have a farm. Uh, I think quite a few people in my corps have farms. And that's just the reality of uh, how wormhole space works. And, you know, we've learned how to colonize and exploit the resources inside of wormhole space. And it's actually quite shocking to me that other people haven't really looked at wormhole space as a resource exploit except for isk injection because we have a ton of ore sites that just go untouched and you know if they had a if you had an expedition group of 20 or 30 exhumers go in there you could clear the site inside of two or three hours and you've got you know six to seven bill in your pocket so and i know a lot of people are hurting for war these days 
Right. So, but, uh, you know, I, to kind of circle back into what, what you were saying and your question, um, it's still the wild west of Eve in my personal opinion, but it is much more colonized than where it was, uh, certainly, uh, 10 years ago. And I would say even venture to say, you know, five, six years ago. Mm. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, look at the sinks and faucets because as we were saying before, commodities were not included in that chart. They are now. So this is the new chart that we have up for commodities inside now showing the blue line there uh, along with other faucets like um, basically NPC bounties, which are that instant injection of money for killing things uh, that you get. And uh, we'll have a closer look at you know how commodities stack up. They look like they're... Um, really ahead of NPC ratting at this point because ESS is taking a chunk out as well. Bounty prizes include ESS auto payments. So I believe that is auto payments once you collect. It must be once you collect, not what's in the bank there. So that is going to be interesting to try to unpack. We'll explain that in just a second. Um, in... In the past, you had bounty payments, which didn't include ESS because EXS didn't really exist the way we know it now. So you can see here, CCP says, this is where ESS was uh, updated. And so what ESS does, it's called the Encounter Surveillance System, is it takes about 40% of whatever you're making if you're out there ratting, and it takes it and puts it into a bank, actually two banks, but the main bank is the one that's, say, temporary. and People can come and raid that bank while you're out there ratting. And if they don't raid it, if nothing happens within three hours, I think, or has it been, is it two hours? I think it's now two hours. Then that money goes into your account. So you get it. You don't lose it. But if somebody does come in that two-hour window of time and tries to steal your bank, you've got to fight for your money. And that's a way of uh, creating more opportunities for pirating opportunities for conflict in EVE Online. That's one of the risk-reward exchanges that have been happening. So, of course, the NPC bounties aren't really what they used to be. You can see how tall they used to be over here. They go off the charts. And this is like the heydays of ratting with supers and everything else. Then you have this uh, uh, slow decline as nerfs are being handed out. Um, to try to control that income. Also, a war takes place in tribute. And uh, and then, boom, blackout hits. And you just see all that ratting stop because it's too difficult to do it without local. If you don't know what's in your system with you, you're not going to take a very expensive super carrier out to rat because you're going to get uh, tackled and killed. So everybody just stopped. That gets lifted, and you can see it goes right back up and then eventually starts to kind of flatten out as more and more changes are coming through, whether they're Sino changes or um, changes to uh, drone um, fighters and that kind of stuff. So then ESS hits, and that's when you see this huge drop again. So ESS, again, taking out 40%, and unless you collect it, it doesn't get counted in this. So I imagine when it says bounty prizes include... ESS auto payments, which means included in this graph is the money that gets back to you if nobody comes and steals your money. I think that's what it is. So what's happened is commodities, as we were looking at before, we were looking at a breakdown of commodities, blue loot, red loot, um, overseer effects, other stuff, right? This is all those put together. And that's what this chart is here. So here's that giant spike we talked about in December. That was that big red spike on the other graph. Here is blue. Uh, so you can see that uh, commodities actually account for more money than bounty prizes. It's, uh, it looks like a pretty strong pattern for these last three or four months. So that is interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens once the war peters out, if that ends up continuing to be the case, or if that ends up, uh, you know, not, uh, not continuing you know, if right. it uh, ends up changing where bounties end up overtaking commodities again. It really does seem like to me that CCP is really trying to encourage active uh, ratting as opposed to the passive, you know, ISK gaining 
that uh, a lot of people are very used to in, um, you know, NullSec. And obviously it's still going to be there in terms of availability, but they're trying to incentivize people to find more lucrative ways of doing that. And I feel like it's the right way of doing it in a lot of respects, because the, the more active you are, the more that you should be able to earn and the more experience you should be able to get and or more, yeah, the more in return from the game is what, you know, you should be able to expect. Right. Yeah, I think I, I like this graph. I would look to this for years. Uh, the the faucet side, the negative side of the graph down below, there's a couple items that I've always kind of watched. One, you can see the skill purchases, which I believe, if I uh, understand this correctly, this is the skill points purchase because they just kind of start back in 2019. Um, and then there's the kind of green line that kind of goes for a while. And you can see if you go back into 2018, 2019, there was a pretty significant, uh, you know, faucet. And then it kind of drops again. They kind of reset some of the skills. But it's a pretty consistent green line, which tells me that new players are coming into the game. I'm going back completely off kind of why most people will look at this but for me I look at that and i see new players are coming in the game there's a consistent purchase of skills as time goes on i need I, you know, i've qualified for this i've qualified for the next one and they're working through the skill plans and you don't see massive drops or peaks there's just a consistent the skill market and buying those things um, and then there's also blueprints which means people are learning well, by skills we mean skill books is that what you're saying yeah, skill books. Yeah, that's, that's skill books from the skill skills books. market. Right, from the skill market. Yeah, that's the skill books, right? So there is, players are coming in. Go ahead. Um, there is a very obvious dip. Um, I feel like uh, in December, it looks like during the Christmas event that they tried, to, the Winter Nexus event that they uh, were pushing... Sure. That they were pushing towards new players, I think, during Christmas time. Yep, uh, so more more new players came in, more skill books were purchased. Yep. Why would you yeah, see? Because in this case, more money is going into it. You want the it's the negative dip is more money is being spent. Yeah, more money is being spent. Is so you yeah. see, if you look at uh, December of 2020, you'll see that uh, there is a dip, which is actually counterintuitive. If you flip the graph, it actually means that more money is being spent on skills, which typically means that there are more players active yeah. in in that particular um, sphere. And I think and that. Go ahead. It could also be that people are just buying skills in order to get themselves into uh, characters that can go and run those uh, Guardians Gala sites efficiently. Possibly. Yeah, for me, the whole thing tracks the narrative of the new players and new people coming in because the blueprints are fairly consistent. If you're a, a longtime Eve player and you're into industry, you've probably bought all the blueprints you want and you've researched them and now you're just creating your own copies. There's no reason to buy new blueprints. Um, new players tend to get introduced to the LP store fairly soon in their careers, and so there's a consistency there. Um, uh, broker fees and transaction tax for me don't really kind of play into that, but those those um, those things track well. And even the skill purchase, you'll have some characters, uh, people buying those things to to move into that next ship faster or whatever. But for me, the blueprint, the skill market, the, so the blueprint and skill markets, the LP store. Um, those three track really well to show for me that a lot of new players are still coming into the game um, in a fairly consistent flow. Yeah, this big dip here that's happening, I think, in transaction tax here, I believe this is when they had a uh, a tax break for like the holidays and you could sell things for 50% tax free or something. Uh there was definitely something that happened. I think that's when that was. Well, that was also that was also when the huge uh, influx of overseers effects was going on, right? Because we looked on the previous graph, we saw a huge amount of overseers being right. sold. Right, that must be what that yeah. is. Yeah. So the transaction taxes are coming. Uh, I would imagine a good portion of that is coming from the, uh, the sale of the overseers effects. Maybe, maybe actually, I'm going to back that up to November, where the spike goes up. Because they are collecting less tax. That's, that's the negative tax. Yeah, less tax. Less tax is being collected because it's not being drained or whatever. I, I'm reading it backwards. 
And that's when that happened because they did give us a tax break. I know because there was a ton of minerals that I wanted to sell at the time. And I thought now's a great yeah. time. So that must be what that is. And I think, I think this spike, uh, the positive, you know, more spending spike, which is happening right here at the end of December, beginning of January. For me, I would take that as the Christmas, uh, New Year's holidays. People are truly off work, spending time, nowhere to go in today's world. And so, well, let's pick up Eve again, crap, I'm a little behind and, I'll sell some of this crap, blah, 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 in our market. And so I think think you have an uptick in overall activity in the game. And so money's being spent by people. And you can, see the, weeks. you can see the Black Friday event, too, on yeah. the last uh, the last week of November. You see the less money being in the transaction tax and a lot more broker's fees. In fact, they almost actually touch um, because a lot of people were trying to put stuff up for sale there. You know, um, Riso sets uh, confirms what I th- what I thought the second time, which is it was a Black Friday event when you had the tax holiday. So that would make that would track with what we're seeing. The end of November, so uh, December. Yeah, there's a graph that's just before this one. If we could take a peek at it, because I would just have uh, a couple observations slash questions about it. Yeah, let's get to it. And then where this where this dropped me off, so I have to run back down. Bear yeah, it's it. right between the. It's right between the two graphs we're looking at, right between the commodity faucet and the sinks, which is the service fees breakdowns by providers. Uh, yeah, that one right this there. This one with the yep, yep. So in here, this one, I, what I'm, what I'm interested in is the chain, the changes this week to the jump clones. There is a number of service fees that are not insignificant in the game. I mean, it's not uh, in the trillions, but. There is clone transfers, there's jump clone activation, and jump clone installation fees. Now, there's three separate blocks of fees, both for player and for um, NPC station tracking. So with the changes where there'll maybe be a consolidation into one location of a number of clones, where you may go and um, move yourself now easily to an N- to a player-owned station for a very low installation fee and then fly it over to wherever you want so you can stack your clones in one place players who have three or four clones around a a region can now consolidate them to where they want they don't have to continually um you know manage their clones through the various mechanisms that were i'm i'm curious just to look at this snapshot now talk about it throw that theory out and then the next economic report i will be i'm going to come look at this because i'm going to be very curious how that is going to change in the realm of jump clones. I don't think this is a massive um, sink sink by any means, but I'm just curious to see how a change like that impacts because if you have a a Citadel in in high sec, or anywhere for that matter, you might be making a little bit of money off of clone installations and um, stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a, to you as a a small corp, maybe there's going to be a little... uh, little dip in some of your income because of that clone uh, all-in-one station um, change that they just made. Cool. Well, we'll look at that. Yeah, that clone change. I'm not, I'm not sure everybody's on that uh, must have multiple uh, implants on different clones. But I think over time, as people get less afraid of it and uh, you know, people who haven't ex- used it and stuff, I think that will become a big, big deal. Okay, we always yep. check in with velocity of ISK. This is how much money is moving around. So, oops, we want this to be on the higher end. And you can see it's trending up this month. That's a little bit different than the last month, which were, it was trending down. So that means people are actually moving money around. It's not just being held. When the game is in flux, people will hold money because they're not sure where to spend it. And uh, and then you'll see this actually dip. So most of the time when there's... Um, when there's uncertainty, that's when you see the velocity of this go down. When people are actually moving money around, they know what they're doing, they um, are buying things, they're selling things, that's when it moves higher. And it's a sign of the health of the economy is are people moving money around. All right. Uh, I think that is what we wanted to cover from MER. Sorry, I'm flying all over the place here. Uh, destruction numbers. Um, let's take a look at those. Total value destroyed by region. Delve clearly on top here with over four trillion. Uh, that looks more like uh, four and a half trillion. 
usually the forage is pretty high in this because people stake out, you know, market hubs um, and tra and trade routes, and that's you'll see a lot of destruction there. And usually those things are defenseless uh, haulers of a, a lot of wealth, and over time those add up. So yeah, the forage and Lone Track and the Citadel, those are three regions that have the main trade hubs. The Silk Road goes through them as well. And uh, those are the second three. But because the war is in full swing, you can see that's way over 4,000 billion, which is 4 trillion. Also, I want to look here at some of the, uh, like Immensia is on here, registering higher than usual because a lot of structures being destroyed there. We're talking about legacy space and fire coalition space. Um, Aquarius is also part of the Delve campaign. So if things are blowing up there, that is attributed to the, war that's going on there. And here's catch at number like six. So catch uh, burning down as well. And the last one I would look for is Feth. Right there. Which one? Feth Albulus. Feth Albulus or Essence maybe? Fate. Fate. Yeah. Feth. Fate. Fate. I don't know. I used to uh, call it Fate, but I don't know. Faith, Feth Albulus. Yeah, Faith Albulus. Yeah, right Faith Albulus. Yeah. Fountain. Well, they're kind of the same. Fountain. So. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually looking for um impasse but i don't see it up here so maybe that'll register next month this is again a month ago so that's where a lot of destruction's happening and we'll take one last slide for you guys and then we'll call it a show is where all the uh destruction is actually happening i believe there's some mountain graphs and you can see of course this must be destruction now this is concurrent players this is destroyed value. We'll take a quick look and you can see destroyed value. You do have a lot of high spires, they used to say in uh, history, his, what was it? His, historical architecture class, whatever that was. I forget what they called it. Um, so these gi giant towers to the sky, those are uh massive amounts of destruction you can also see and a lot of that is delve it's just on top of each other so it's giant you also see some over here in catch immensia as we were saying before that makes sense oh look at this stuff over here inside of probably that stain but but uh this is where the big stuff is in delve that's where the big stuff is as far as destruction numbers go and here you have a ton of redundancy, and I bet you that's G to that really long tower there. It's kind of like Lord of the Rings uh, map. Is it? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Well, you got anything else, uh, Randall, before we take off? Yeah, I got a low-sec item. Cool. Uh, for those people listening who maybe are you know, not uh, too in, enthralled in getting out to, uh, to null-sec or anything and had been dreaming you know, of a, a being on a kill uh, on a Keepstar kill of some sort, um, or being at least watching a, a Keepstar, um, you know, kind of, you know, being beat down. Uh, keep an eye on a low sec system, uh, Seaseed. Uh, our friends uh, Snuff uh, and our friend Siege Green have been fighting it out. Uh, Snuff reinforced Siege Green Keepstar. Uh, if I did my math right. Um, it looks like their armor timer um, somewhere Saturday. around Saturday. Yeah, uh, looks like someone did the math for us already. Around 11 Eve time, Siege Green armor timer uh, for their Keepstar. So the armor timer is generally the really big fight, uh, and then it'll go into a hull timer. So you can track that if you're thinking like, "Hey, I want to." Oh, one second! I accidentally hit the wrong button. For your uh, killboard, uh, my bad. Yeah. I I have to tell you, I accidentally hit um, hit the hang up button when I was trying to hit the share screen button. Uh oh. So back up like <laughs> no, just back up like thirty seconds and and tell us what you're gonna do. You're talking about secede and there's a fight this Saturday. Are you still there, Rundle? Yeah, no, no problem. So what I was saying was, uh, you know, if you have uh, dreamed of uh, being on a Keepstar kill or watching one go down. Um, there's going to be uh, one in Losec and Sea uh, Seed. Um, you can, uh, you know, maybe get involved in that. And if you wanted to try and get a Keepstar kill on your uh, on your killboard for posterity reasons, then you can track the timer moving forward from there. 
uh, maybe have an opportunity where you only have to kind of go out to a low sec system to see it instead of trumping on all the way out to. How do you spell secede? It's uh, S E I. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I thought so. Well, give me the region. I'll find it. I think I know where it is on the map. Avatar. All right, here it is. It is S I S E I D E. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Oh, Sindel Pelion is listening in. Sindel, I know you have missed my voice. You, uh, it has reached the the corners of the metaverse and has dragged you to talking stations. Welcome. I'm no glad. way, Sindel. Uh, haven't heard that name in a little while. Yeah, Sindel and I go back a while. Good she, to see her, that. Yeah, we're still black on live, by the way. What? Yeah. Check it. Oh, okay. Uh, hold on just one second. I know what's missing. So Sindel, by well fixing this does this mean you're going to return to eve soon since you are listening live oh we we miss her songs absolutely there is so much that could be parodied you are <laughs> it's a parody it's a parody paradise, it's a parody paradise. Yeah. <laughs> i'm still trying to find there it is got it and there it is an amatar it's a big, yeah, amateur, big yeah. area so, so anyways, yeah, a good opportunity if you're, uh, you know, if you're not a null sec person or, you know, you want to come out of a wormhole or, or you want to come see what happens in these big Keepstar fights, uh, there's a great opportunity to see one ha possibly happen, go down in low sec. Um, and it, the, the big fight should happen at a really good time on a Saturday. And then I guess the timer would probably be 48 hours after that, I would guess. I think that's how that goes. Maybe 72, something <laughs> like that. I can't remember. All right. Thanks, Rendell. Uh, Tiberius, you got any last thoughts? Uh, no, you know, that I think <laughs> what's on everyone's mind is the fact that the mineral price index just continues to soar sky high. Uh, and uh, the <laughs> it's uh, it's putting it's burning a hole in everyone's pockets. I know that it's certainly is for me. So we're uh, everyone's hurting and I'm hoping and I think everyone else is kind of hoping that the carrot at the end of the stick is uh, is coming soon, because uh, it's it's getting pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Also, the MPI is still really high, which is the um, I believe that's. Let me make sure it is the yeah mineral index, which is basically the cost of uh, minerals. So it tells you how much T1, basically how much T1 has gone up in value. Uh, and you can see it's way over the, the line. This line here, the center line, is kind of like stasis. So if it's below that, things are relatively cheaper than they were. This is a historical graph. So it really just compares itself against previous time. And uh, and this is the equilibrium again. So it's, because you'll see this is actually rated in like, um, oh, that's not a percentage. That's something else, I believe. But you can see just by looking at this, it is sky high, higher than it has ever been. We've talked about that a few times, but um, there's there it is altogether. It's not really news. It just continues to go and go and go. <laughs> yeah, that's why we didn't talk about it today. But in previous episodes, we did talk about it being up there. We know this is the case because of scarcity. Scarcity has not been lifted. There haven't been any adjustments to inject more or into the world or easier access to it. So that remains high, but there's a lot of people that are new to the game that are mining the low end minerals and that's good for them because they get to turn in their hard work for a good profit. You don't want a situation where the only people in town are massive industrialists in NullSec making, making the market so flooded that new guys just, their, their labor just isn't worth anything because there's no value in TRIT or in uh, any of the other stuff. So that's the reversal now. That's the age that we're in for this year, next year, possibly forever. It is scarcity. Things are valuable. Things cost money. Uh, and minerals are scarce. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Right. Um, I, uh, I'm excited that CCP has the commodities breakdown again. I think that's really important. Um, overall, I think that... Uh, I, I think that the economy is in a relatively decent place. Uh, I think a lot of people would like to see 
mineral changes a little bit uh, and not like drastic changes like reversion of the issues that we have uh, or sorry, reversion of what CCP implemented with scarcity. But, you know, small tweaks like, you know, reduction of NPC mining fleets and, uh, you know, some other things, maybe increase the spawn rate of ANOMs, um, you know, little things here and there that I'm not as well versed in uh, that I think could probably be beneficial to everybody and not have a huge impact on the game. So um, we may see some adjustments by the way, because uh, Ratati actually talked a few weeks ago on a financial show for the Oz uh, as a financial guy. And he did talk about some of the stuff that they were working through. And there were some signs in there that something was going to change sometime probably in the first quarter, second quarter, which is right where we're at now. So you might see some adjustments to uh, mining ships and that sort of stuff uh, sometime soon. We're, we're kind of expecting that, so it won't be a surprise if it hits. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, you know, uh, low plex prices are good for uh, some people because, as Hilmar explained it, plex is pegged. And the economy in EVE moves around Plex. So when Plex goes up or Plex goes down, that's an illusion. It's not moving up or down. It's the value of everything else in relationship to Plex. So when Plex is cheap, people's labor is appreciated. When Plex is expensive, that means your labor in this game doesn't count for anything. So we're kind of in a good spot. Okay. That said, uh, we're going to let you uh, leave this spot. We'll see you tomorrow on Talking in Stations around the same time. And uh, we'll go ahead and raid somebody else. Sindel Pellians, nice to see you in the audience there. If you don't know who Sindel is, she's a great big celebrity uh, in EVE Online historically. Made some parody songs, uh, favorite to find at meetups, that sort of thing. So it's nice to see her name pop up. Uh, Rundle, thanks a lot. Tiberius, thanks a lot. We will see you guys next time. I'm talking in stations and sorry about my personal blackout there where I blacked out the screen for a good two or three minutes. I, I appreciate you guys' patience. I hit the wrong Thanks, button. Sarah. Love you back, Sindel. All right. Have we'll a good see. night, everybody. Thank you. We'll see you guys.